I've been uh, on my own uh, the past couple weeks. Corey and the girls have been uh, out of town visiting family, and and as I sought food for one, uh, I came across a a, uh, a frozen a di- a dessert in which I looked looked pretty good, and so I. I turned it upside down to look at the instructions how to defrost it. And as I did so, it says, do not turn upside down. So I thought these instructions were a little enlightening to me. And so I did a little research and I found a few more that were interesting. It says, if you have a Sears hairdryer, it says on the instructions, do not use while sleeping. Now, on Boots Children's Cough Medicine, now, now keep in mind it's children's cough medicine, it says, do not drive a car or operate machinery after taking this medication. And my favorite is on a 500-piece jigsaw puzzle, it says, some assembly required. <laughs> so be warned, you need to read and follow instructions carefully. And, uh, but none of us are that unwise, are we? Uh, but at the same time, don't we wish that there were some aspects of our life where there were pretty clear instructions? That's why we've been looking at the book of Proverbs and seeking wisdom for living in all aspects of our life. But one particular area uh, that we need wisdom is in the area of parenting. Because the challenges of parenting are great in this day and age. Statistics show that it is difficult to to raise a child in this day. Financially, I don't think you'll have enough money. The USDA has a report that expenditures on children, which reports to to raise a child from birth to age 17, will cost you between $250,000 to $480,000. About how, who is raising our children, good or bad, nationally, over 19.2 million children live with single parents. About 3 million with single fathers and uh, 16 with single mothers. How about you grandparents out there? You are not immune. See, the 2000 census has indicated that 5.7 million grandparents live with their grandchildren. But now, maybe more importantly, spiritually. The Barna Research Group has indicated and found that that only a little less than half of young people today would say that their faith is very important in their lives. We need wisdom. Because we are asking ourselves, how do we raise our kids to make wise choices as an adult? How do we raise our kids to be mature followers of Jesus Christ? How can we raise our children to have healthy confidence? Just talking about it is exhausting. Parenting is probably the hardest thing you will ever have to do in your life. Can I get an amen? Well, even if you're a parent or not, The truth is, none of us are exempt. So before you check out of this message mentally, or you don't have, you might not have kids, uh, or you, you know, you're maybe you're beyond that time. The truth is, we are all called 
We are all called as a community, a church family, to form each child's heart and character that he or she may reflect God's glory. For it takes more than just parents. It takes a community. All of us need to be involved. So before we ask the question, how we parent, really what we need to do is we we need to ask the question, why we parent. If we would go right to the how to we parent, we miss parenting's purpose. You see, we are shaping lives and, and future generations for eternity. No matter if we're currently a, a parent or not, God's purpose for parenting is discipleship. If we want to see our kids grow and mature in Christ, each of us needs to be actively a, a, a spiritual grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, or parental figure. You see, I know as a, a father of four young girls that I need your help to raise these girls in truth. We all need wisdom, and it is all our responsibility. So I pray that our time today would give some perspective on, on discipleship through parenting. And keep in mind uh, that the topic of parenting is daunting, as I found out. So I'm only going to touch on some broad themes today. But know that I also don't stand here as one who has perfected parenting. I don't know anyone who could say that anyways. But even though I'm a pastor, I'm also a sinner saved by grace even through the role as a parent. Let's look at the book of Proverbs today as we look for wisdom. But let's pray beforehand. God, we thank you for your word your, that, that gives life, that gives wisdom. So God, we, we, we want to glean from you. God, we ask that you would uh, open our eyes. God, that you would open our ears, that we would see you, that we would hear you so that we could be not only maybe physical parents, but God, that we could be spiritual parents to those around us. So bless this time, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I remember Corey and I, um, we, uh, we went to our first birthing class. I feel uncomfortable even talking about that. Um, went to our first birthing class, and I'll never uh, anticipating our firstborn, Lily, and as we went to the instructor's class, uh, it, she was all about getting in touch with your, your baby. And, and it, honestly, it was a little uncomfortable for me. But I'll never forget one statement that she made. She said, well, the, the first love is between a woman and her baby. And being a seminary student at that time, I, I wanted to raise my hand and correct her. That was really God. But the truth is, love is that foundation. Love is that foundation. And that might seem like a, a no-brainer to, to each of us here. And, uh, but I would say we need to be reminded, continually be reminded that to actively love our kids, no matter their, of their age. And if you're like me, we get in those routines and ruts 
where we don't emotionally engage with our kids. But as we look at, at the book of Proverbs, what does this book say about wisdom and about parenting and loving our children? If we look at Proverbs 23, 24, and 25, it says with excitement, The father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. May your father and mother be glad. May she who gave you birth rejoice. And I know for, for Corey and I, for each of our, our children, we celebrated their birth. We were delighted for the opportunity to be parents. And we always saw it as a privilege and as a, a gift. And we were especially ecstatic for our, our firstborn, Lily, and, and waiting for those nine months for this new creation to come into this world. And it was, it was like a nine-month layaway plan. And uh, it was exciting. But it was so exciting. And if you're, you are parents right now, you probably have that same exi- excitement. You rejoiced over this, this new gift. So the question for us, though, this morning, uh, thinking about this truth, you continue to rejoice over your children. Because uh, when they're no longer that, that toddler, but now they're that grown teen or even adult. How about when they make a mistake or they come back after their curfew. Do you continue to rejoice that they are yours? Thinking about this idea of rejoicing, I, to this day I will never forget my, my dad's loving words. Okay, because it made such an, an impression on, <clears throat> on me. See, it was at one of my uh, baseball games growing up. <clears throat> and we were getting... Crushed. It was like 13 to 1, and we didn't have a chance. And it was like one of those innings, too. There was two outs. We were waiting for the last out. And, uh, and, but the, the other team just kept rounding the bases, kept running. You know, it was, they just kept scoring more points, more and more points. And so we're just like, come on, give us a break. Let's just end this inning. So the pot fly comes out to center field where I'm at. I raise my glove to catch it and thank god i caught it um finally the the inning was done but what was so made such an impression on me was from over on the on the bleachers i could hear my dad say that's my son i think i was a little embarrassed at first and and i hope that he wouldn't have said that if i hadn't caught it because that would have been really awkward. But those words were powerful because he rejoiced with me at that moment. And, and, and from those words, I knew I was loved, not because of my catch or my performance, but just because I was simply his son. Zephaniah 3.17 says that the Lord rejoices over us. We are His children. It says, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. I love this passage 
really, and in this image. It illuminates the Father's love for us. What an incredible thought to think that the God of the universe sings over you. That the God of the universe rejoices over you. He loves you. And a wonderful model for us as parents. Well, the wisdom, though, of Proverbs is that we are called to love and rejoice over our kids no matter what age. And in order for them to grow up healthy and whole, this needs to be our mission, that our love for them is consistent and that they feel secure in our affection for them to to know no matter what decisions they make, they're always loved. That no matter where they go, they cannot remove themselves from our love. Because if you think about it, Love is the foundation for us teaching our kids what God's love is like. For God is love. He loves us unconditionally, even though we sin. See, if our love, but if our love is conditional, they are going to believe God's love is conditional, aren't they? If they grow up in strict obedience and and fear, that is going to be their view of God that they have to earn God's love out of fear or intimidation. But rather, our love needs to be unconditional. It needs to be the ground floor. It needs to be the foundation, the always known truth, because love is what drives obedience. Excuse me. Love is the motivator for prayer. Love is the source of confidence. Love is what draws relationships with others. So as physical or spiritual parents, love your kids. Spend time with them. Love them through quantity of time because there's no such thing as quality of time. Put the cell phone away when they're talking to you. Give them your absolute focus. Love them by listening to them, hugging them, rejoicing with them, and ask yourselves, when was the last time that you told them that you loved them? May love be your foundation. Well, love, though, is not cheap, is it? Love doesn't mean that we look the other way. It doesn't mean you, you get everything you want. Love has to have limits. It has to have boundaries. And let me explain. This doesn't mean we limit how much we love our kids, but rather how we love them through limits or boundaries. Sometimes that is the best way we can express love to our kids and teens. We love them through discipline. Proverbs twenty three thirteen and 14 says to us, Do not withhold discipline from a child. This proverb may seem, excuse me, may seem difficult in this day and age, doesn't it? Discipline gets a, a bad rap because we feel like we have to give the world to our kids, don't we? We have to give them everything. But I would say if we do, we will give the world to our kids. 
because discipline seems uh, in this day and age almost looked down upon. But the truth is, children and teens need discipline. They crave it. And we shouldn't withhold it. They need limits, and, and honestly, they're looking for them by testing us. Discipline is crucial for teaching them right from wrong. For discipleship, the word discipleship comes from the same root word. Discipleship is discipline. Discipline is discipleship. So as parents, how do we, how do we set limits? How do we discipline our kids out of love? And I would say, before we get to that, let's look at two misconceptions here about discipline. The first misunderstanding <clears throat> is that discipline is only seen as something parents do when a child misbehaves. Or rather, that's false. Uh, discipline needs to be seen as giving guidance and direction by steering them away from unhealthy motives. And the second assumption is that discipline is, is the same as punishment. Punishment, though, is to satisfy God's justice, not ours, and then achieve his judgment on sin. Whereas discipline is designed to pro promote growth and maturity in our children. So taking away a cell phone or grounding them for a day or a week, whatever it might be, is discipline. It's not punishment. Well, this is exemplified in, in Proverbs 29, 15, which says, The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. You see, what the writer of Proverbs is saying here is that, a, 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 that discipline will help a child make future wise choices, choices whereas a lack of will cause calamity. Now keep in mind that, that discipline comes in different ways and, and you know your child better than, than anyone else. But not every discipline fits every child. And at the same time, no form of discipline should be violent or should be administered when we are out of control. Just the other day, uh, we, our family was at <coughs> the park and our two-year-old, Charlotte, was, uh, uh, she's, she's walking, she's testing her limits and so forth. And uh, so we were by the park, and there was a road that was pretty busy next to it. And uh, so she starts walking towards the road. And, of course, I ran after her and said no, picked her up, corrected her, and brought her back to a safe place. Well, every couple minutes, I could see her, you know, once I turned the other way, she'd start walking towards the road, and I would tell her no, and she'd look back, and what was she doing? She was smiling. She knew what she was doing. She was testing her, her limits out of willful disobedience. You see, if we don't set limits as, as parents, we breed selfishness. We bring about self-absorption and, and selfish ambition. So when we think about our children's sinful actions, do we see them as our response as just punishment? Or do we see it as discipline? And that this discipline can bring a greater future, teaching them right from wrong. 
Well, we need both love and limits. We cannot have one or the other. And if our children don't know what love is, they will feel incomplete and insecure in their relationship with God and others. And if we let our children grow within, without limits, boundaries, or consequences, we are allowing them to walk right into the road. Consequently, without either, we are allowing our kids to, to go throughout life in an in in attitude of heartache. See, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen gives us some insight on discipline. It says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from it. But at the same time, 1 Corinthians 13 says, Love keeps no records of wrongs. They need to be balanced. We need both love and limits. Together they build, build character, virtue, and Christian morality. So you may be saying, Pastor Mark, ah, that sounds really easy. And it sounds more easier said than done. And there are times when we don't know what to do. And we don't know how to act. But I think the greatest place that we can go is to get on our knees. In a posture of humility, asking in prayer for wisdom that God would give us. One of the most loving and, and, and painful experiences at the time was when I was uh, a freshman in high school. And I had made some friends that were not a good influence on in my life, which started uh, getting really out of control. And my parents found, found out, and so my dad had to make a drastic change, and he enforced to me that I wasn't to hang out with these friends anymore. I was to make a complete break from those friendships, and, and at that point in my life, that, I was devastated. These were my friends. These are the ones that I, I hung out with, and now I had to never associate with them again. But my dad knew the bigger picture. He knew that their, that their bad influence were driving me away from a relationship with Jesus Christ. He knew I needed those limits. And he loved me through setting them. As spiritual as well as physical parents, are you loving your kids? Are you setting limits and loving them through it? Well, after these two truths, how do we build and nurture our children and those around us? How do we keep, help our kids to become who God has called them to be? How do we allow them to not only survive, but to thrive in life? Well, let's look to uh, Proverbs 22.6. You may have heard of this proverb. It says, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not turn from it. See, this passage truly gives us some insight how we can nurture our children. There are two truths we're going to unpack in this, in this passage. First, the, the proverb teaches competence. The first thing it teaches is competence. It says, train a child in a way he should go. 
In other words, teach a child in the right ways, right from wrong. You see, I, 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 love, I was thinking about this passage. I love my girls. And uh, so every now and then, I, you know, I, I just love their presence and around. So I, I tell them that they will always live with mom and dad. And that, that they will always make me coffee and cookies every day. And uh, so they look at me and, yeah, of course we will. Of course we'll do that. Well, maybe you, you've said the same thing to your kids. But the, the truth is, that is not my purpose. That is, that is not my goal. As for them to, to, to be prepare them for the world and to help them know God's truth and His Word for their lives. You see, in this passage, the word train is, is a Hebrew word, uh, that, which is kanak, which is used in, in, in several other passages, including Genesis 14, referring to the experienced men Abraham trusted to rescue his nephew Lot. This word trained is also used in 1 Corinthians in the context of training priests for the, for the temple. You see, this word train is a broader term than we sometimes think. You see, nowhere in Scripture is this word train used to imply correction for wrongdoing. Rather, it is, is it, a pro, it is a process of educating and developing maturity of godliness. In other words, training a child should be the process of helping them gain competence. We know competence is defined as doing something effectively and efficiently. And so we can help our, our child gain competence in, in a sport or in, you know, social skills or uh, just maybe some, some things, some skills that they can use in the world. But even more than that, we need to build competence in our children and their faith. See, competent knowing the scriptures, competent in being able to defend their faith, competent in know God's promises when bad things happen, competent to be able to stand on their own. You see, some of us have maybe 18 years to go. Your kids are still going to be with you. Some of you have one year or less. We need to train them to be competent disciples of Jesus Christ. And as parents and as a church, this should be our greatest priority. Ask Marcia. We need to, to set patterns of behavior during these years that they will take root. We need to teach them, remind them, and model for them compassion, kindness, truth-telling, respect for others in order that they will internalize these things and live them out themselves. So the question is, are we preparing our kids to be competent? Are we preparing our kids to face trials? Are we preparing them to, to, to fail? Are we preparing them to be competent? Someone reminded me the other day that we are to raise our children to the point that we will have no regrets five minutes after we drop them off for college. Is that your goal? 
Second part of this proverb is that we are to train up a child. And it says, when he is old, he will not turn from it. The second truth uh, is the problem is that to help your child build confidence. And beyond being competent, our our job is to, to help, as parents, is to help children develop their natural abilities and talents. To help them discover their path in life, affirming their abilities to the point of confidence. We see in the scriptures that Paul encouraged Timothy to develop his gift in order for him to gain confidence. We also know that Moses struggled with confidence and God gave him Aaron to build that as well. But in this life as parents, we need to affirm our kids in order for them to gain confidence so that when they are challenged emotionally, when they are challenged physically, as well as spiritually, they will have that self-assurance. They will have confidence of who God is. This is a tremendous value and advantage when they face verbal and psychological foes. They will. My daughter, Lily, is going into first grade next year, and, and uh, she's, she's a good artist you know she she likes to draw and she's always coloring always always doing something and uh but if i were to take uh lily and uh and then i took her whole class and i and i pulled the class and i said okay how many of you are artists what would we get we would get every hand up every hand up it's a yes we're, we're all artists now if we were to take five years from then uh, ten years and if we were to ask the same question, we would get maybe a few, wouldn't we? We'd only get a few. But at this point in her life, I want to affirm and, and confirm her, her talent and build her confidence. And so as, as parents, what I, I, you need to be child detectives. You need to know them, observe them. We need to be around them to know their desires, their passions, their gifts. Build that confidence in them. Help them discover how God has created them to be. Well, to conclude today, I, as parents, how do, we, how do we love within limits? How do we give confidence and, and confidence? A bra- I believe our greatest example is the, the love that God the Father had for His Son. And how this is best illustrated at the cross. We see in the, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verse 36, Jesus is praying at the garden. He knows His imminent death. And in His despre- desperation, He cries out, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but you, what you will. Jesus is calling his father. He cries out, Abba, which we know means daddy. I love you so much that I trust you in your plan. Our Heavenly Father 
And Jesus knew that there was no other way. But Jesus' prayer shows the love they had for each other and their love for us. For this will always be the greatest act of love. 1 John 4, 9 and 10 expresses that. It says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You see, the father not only loved the world, but his son so much that he was willing to sacrifice him. And we now see it at the cross, the fullness of his love expressed. We read in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verse 46. Jesus at the end says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. And the centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. How that moment must have grieved the Father to see His one and only Son, the one He loved dearly, betrayed, beaten, bloodied, and crucified, tortured to death, only then to die on a cruel cross. That is extreme love. Do you love the Father? As the, do you love as the Father loved His Son to the point of your own sacrifice, to the point of your own expense? Is love costing you something? Just like the Father had for His Son, the vision, the goal was at the start, the cross. Are you willing to invest the time to share with them God's love for their lives and God's will for their lives. Disciple them. To give them limits. And explore God's truth for their life. Do you love them through discipline in order that they would become more like Jesus Christ each day? Father also modeled confidence and competence in His Son Jesus said in John 3.35, The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Just like the Father's love for His Son, He trusted in His Son's ability to be the Savior of the world. The confidence He had in His Son, trusting even up to death. As a parent, are you willing to build that confidence and competence in your children. Well, as parents or, or spiritual parents, as well as sons and daughters of the, of the living God, may we seek wisdom. May we love and disciple our kids and the, the kids around us that they would then become more like Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let us pray together. Lord God, thank you for your word. And God, the, the wisdom that comes from it. God, help us as, as parents to love and, and discipline, to build confidence and competence in our kids. God, may we love as you love. May we give as you have given. Lord, help us to know your grace and knowing that we still make mistakes as parents. But God, we can turn to you and we can start again. May we continue to love our kids through grace, through the love that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.